if you have your Bible, uh, turn with me to Philippians chapter 3, verses 12 uh, through 16. Many times on New Year's Eve, I do a prophecy update looking at uh, different sections of prophecy in Scripture. Uh, this year, I'm not going to do that. So if you're... Oh, uh, so... As I've been praying and uh, seeking the Lord for this weekend, I really felt like God put this section of Scripture on my heart uh, to really deal with our mindset of the way that we're looking forward into the future and looking forward into the things that God has uh, for us. So let's pray together. God, we thank you so much for your love for us. And as we pause and reflect on your faithfulness through 2016, we think of all of the times that we've met here on Saturday night and you've been so gracious to, to meet with us on Sunday morning and Wednesday night and Bible studies during the week. We reflect in our own lives of how you've been gracious and merciful and faithful. Let's wait upon the Lord and just allow God to remind you of his faithfulness in your life this year. Thank you, God, that you give us your strength in the midst of our weakness, that your grace is sufficient for us. We want to be open to what you want to do tonight, what the Holy Spirit would want to do in our midst. We pray that we could learn from our past, but press into what you have for us in the future. And for any of us that are in a place where we're stuck in the past, whether it's 2016 or 10 years ago, 20 years ago, that you would give us a fresh vision for the future, that we would press forward to the things that you have for us. So we love you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. I love to take some time to reflect at New Year's Eve. I'll think back through our year for me personally and us as a family and highlights, ways that God has been faithful, joys and, and challenges. I usually try to pick one verse that really stands out as a lesson for the year. And I would encourage you to take the time to stop and think. We, we don't do that very well as a culture, but it's very important in God's word to remember, to stop and ponder the works of God in our lives. And if you're like me, it all blurs together like a giant blender where the days just get scrambled all together and you're like, what exactly happened this year in 2016. So I was thinking a few highlights for us as a church. What were some highlights in 2016? What are some ways that God moved? We went through First and Second Samuel together. I felt like God really met us in a powerful way through going through First and Second Samuel. We're going through Mark and praying that God would reveal Jesus to us in, in a greater way. Wednesday nights has been a ton of fun this year, 2016. One of the highlights for, for me this year has been teaching through Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. As you know, uh, we go through the Bible on Wednesday nights, and so we've been trekking through the scriptures, and it's a pastor's dream to get to those epistles. And so it's been a lot of fun uh, through the 2016 to be in those passages. We've had some wonderful retreats. I heard women's retreat was fabulous. To your surprise, I did not go. But... <laughs> 
had a great men's retreat. I know youth, I see junior high and high school there. Uh, in the back this evening had some powerful youth retreats. The senior high had a, a great summer camp that God met them and moved in a powerful way. And, and those are things that we want to remember of how God met us. Uh, as a church, we've seen God work in the area of outreach and missions. Uh, thinking about the Nollies and the work that God's doing in Gulu. It's already New Year's in, in Gulu. Just out of curiosity, how many of you guys remember Kent and Becca Nolly that moved to, to Gulu? Some of you may not uh, know them. He was our missions pastor, and then God sent them uh, to Uganda, and he's starting a pastoral training school, uh, a school uh, of ministry. So that, that's been huge this year to see God plant them and, and grow them in that work. It's been neat to see what God continues to do in Calvary Chapel Chihuahua and our Light Shine community in Taramara. God blessing uh, those kids. Many missions trips to Took place this year. Some of you had the opportunity to, to go on uh, missions trips. A lot of wonderful local outreach has, has taken place. Some of you may not know this, but as a church, we've adopted uh, Saban Middle School. And what it is, is we go and bring food uh, to the teachers on parent-teacher conference, because it's a long day uh, for them. A lot of times they don't have time to eat. And God has opened amazing doors uh, with Saban simply by going over to bring uh, them food. Now when they have their in-service uh, in, in teacher days, there it is, they come over here to RMC, they lock up Saban, and all the teachers come here and meet in our classrooms and, and enjoy the cafe. They've been so blessed just by us caring for them that now the students collect canned food and bring it to our food pantry. And so it's been really cool to see God uh, work uh, in that way. Also, we've got our food pantry here at RMC, and we've had a whole bunch of food go out to our community. So we could go on and on about how God's been working in a, in a local context as well. We think about all of the kids that have been ministered to this year at RMC. Uh, thousands of kids from infancy uh, to fifth grade. Deb Rumsey, our children's ministry director, she does a great, great job. If you, yeah, praise the Lord for her and for her staff. Think about the Bible verses that have been memorized, the songs that have been sung to the Lord. They go through the same weekend message that we, we do, so they've been traveling through the same uh, sections of Scripture. We think of all of the youth, the junior high and the high school students and, and the college students that the Lord has ministered uh, to uh, this year. We think of the powerful way that God is using men's and women's ministry. Uh, the men's and women's ministry, God is really blessing. And I know, ladies, many of you have been blessed by being part of those studies. And men, you have been challenged in uh, such a way. We, we've seen many come to know Christ as their Savior this year at RMC. I mean, what a blessing. What a blessing to see people come to know Christ as their Savior right here in this room, to see people impacted for all of eternity, to, to be going to heaven. Many have got up on this stage and professed Christ as their Savior in baptism, which is a huge deal, and we've been able to rejoice in what God has done in that. But I think in all of these highlights, which I'm thankful for each of them, there's one that stands out the most, and it was the way that God worked through the topic of sexual integrity in, in our church. Uh, and I know for some of you, if you're visiting uh, tonight, you're like, man, this may not mean a lot to me. What did I get myself into? Uh, but we remember we paused with David and Bathsheba, and said, let's talk honestly about sexual sin in our culture and sexual sin in our lives. And we kind of dreamed big uh, out of the book of Revelation, where he's writing to the church of Thyatira, Jesus. 
And he's saying, look, if, if you repent of your sexual sin, then I will give you the nations. I'll use you to impact uh, the nations. And that we understood as a church family that sexual sin's not just about sex. It's about God wanting to use our lives. And what could happen in a church if it could be an open discussion instead of something that we hide or pretend is not part of our lives, that we could be open and honest uh, with one another to see God do a work of freedom. And and there was a huge breakthrough in our church. There's a a change that took place in our church and the the sexual integrity conference where Doug Weiss came and Dr. Julie Slattery came. And then the small groups afterwards. I know that there's some of those small groups that are continuing uh, to meet. And it's going to be an ongoing challenge uh, in our lives, but I think the, the the change happened in our church where now we can talk about it openly and, and honestly, and I, I think God blessed and moved in a powerful way uh, through that. I've, I've heard story after uh, story of talking with men of saying, this is something that I hid for years and years and years, and my, my life was filled with pornography, and this was really the first time that I've been honest about it, and God's brought freedom, and it's changed my marriage, it's touched my marriage. We've, we've heard of marriages being restored, and in a power powerful way that only God can do. So let's praise the Lord for that. Praise God. God, you're good. And yes, the fireplace and the coffee bar got finished in 2016. (laughs) It was uh, the eternal flame that wouldn't light there in the in the fireplace for for a while. So enjoy some fellowship after service tonight. You know, it's, it's New Year's Eve. Stop by the coffee bar and enjoy relationships. So here's the verses that stand out to me for a, a church fellowship for us. And, and think about Saturday night after Saturday night, Wednesday night after Wednesday night, Sunday morning of, of coming and gathering together, God has been faithful. It says, Lamentations 3, 22 through 24, just take it in and listen. Through the Lord's mercies, we are not consumed, because his compassion fails not. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. You've probably heard that God's mercies are new every morning, which is true. But notice that the text is plural. It says they are new every morning. Also, his compassion is new every morning. Do you know that every day can be a new year? Every day is a new start with the Lord. Every day, he starts us over and says, I've got fresh compassion and fresh mercy for you. And then it goes on to say, great is your faithfulness. We can echo that as a church family, corporately and individually. Great is your faithfulness. God, you've been faithful to us. The Lord is my portion, says my soul, therefore I hope in him. He is my portion, I put my hope in him. So now let's talk about a little bit of looking forward and a message that presses into the new year. Do you know that only 8% of New Year's resolutions we succeed in? So this is normally the time of year where you try to come up with something, right? It's, a, it's New Year's Eve. I've got to find some grand thing. And no doubt at work this week, someone's going to ask you what your New Year's resolution is. But only 8% uh, succeed. We know this by the attendance at the gym. The gym is going to be packed for the next couple of weeks, but by the end of January, it's going to be back, back to normal, isn't it? So we want more than New Year's resolutions. Amen? We, we want to meet with the Lord 
and really adopt a biblical mindset of the way that he would desire us to think. And that leads us to the book of Ephesians, or excuse me, the book of Philippians. Paul is talking about, and he's dealing with mindset, the way that he thinks and the way that we think as believers. And I've got to tell you, going into 2017, the way that you think is going to determine a lot about your year. And I'm not going in some weird direction that says, if you have positive thoughts, then you're going to be a millionaire and everything's going to work out in your life. But I am encouraging you to think biblically. God encourages us to think in the direction that is godly. So Paul's in prison and he speaks of joy. How could he have so much joy while he's in prison? It's what he chooses to focus on in his heart and his mind. So I'm going to walk you through briefly through the book of Philippians, and then we will get into chapter 3. Since it's New Year's Eve, I do have all night. So it's, if you're with me in the book of Philippians, look at chapter 1, verse 21. Philippians 1, verse 21. Paul gives us his motto, his life mission. He says, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. What does he think about? What is he focused on? For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. What would you fill in as being your life or what you intend to be your life in 2017? For me to live is work. For me to live is fill in the blank. But until it comes Christ, you're not going to experience life. So, so Paul says, for me to live is Christ. He's single-minded. That was his, his mindset. I want to pursue a relationship with Christ. And if my life is defined by Jesus, then for me to die is gain. Because I know I'm going to be with the Lord. I know that that eternal reward. So Jesus becomes our focus. Jesus becomes what we're hungry for, what we're seeking after, what we're longing for, what our heart and mind is, is moved towards. And then in chapter 2, we see another part of his mindset in the first few verses. Verse 1, down to verse 4. It says, Therefore, if there's any consolation in Christ, any comfort of love, any fellowship of the Spirit, any affection and mercy. Are are those things true? Do those things exist? Yes. Fulfill my joy, being like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, one mind. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind. There it is, mind, the way that we think. Let each of us esteem others better than ourselves. Let each of us look not for only for our own interests, but also for the interests of others. Now, I have a guarantee that I can offer to you for 2017. I can promise you one way to have a terrible, rotten, miserable year. The worst year of your life. You ready? Be selfish. You will have a terrible year. I guarantee it. It doesn't matter how well your circumstances go. Selfishness will ruin everything. Can I get an amen? So if we're going to have a mindset that's biblical, first, my mindset is to know Christ And then my mindset is to esteem others better than myself. It's really the way that I think. I'm thinking, you are better than me. Your needs are more important than me. I'm going to put your needs, your interests above my own. This even comes across in a conversation. When we're talking with someone, 
We can either care for our own needs or we can care for their needs. How are you doing? How is your family? Is there anything I can pray for you about? You know, what are you into? What do you like to do outside of work? See, that, that's caring for their, their interests. And we go on in Philippians and it says, let this mind in verse 5 be in you, which was in Christ. So we know the way that Christ thought. He thought as a servant. He thought to care for others. We go into chapter 3 and then Paul deals with himself. He, he focuses on his attitude towards himself and the way that he thinks about his own life. We're going to get to verse 12, but I want to read the first 11 verses to get the context from the Apostle Paul. So join me in verse 1. I'm going to primarily read down uh, to verse 11 and 12. He says, finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord. Take joy in the Lord. For me to write the same thing to you is not tedious, but for you it is safe. Paul doesn't mind being a broken record. I'm going to tell you once again, Paul says, rejoice in the Lord because it's safe. What are you putting your expectation in for 2017? What are you taking joy in? Is it the Lord? If it's the Lord, you won't be let down. But if it's something other than the Lord, we have the potential to be let down. He warns of false teachers, beware of dogs, beware of the evil workers, beware of the mutilation, speaking of the Judaizers that are trying to bring believers under the law. For we are the circumcision who worship God in the spirit, rejoice in Christ Jesus, and have no confidence in the flesh. We don't trust in ourselves. Though I, might, though I also might have confidence in the flesh, if anyone else thinks he may have confidence in the flesh, I more so, circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, concerning the law of Pharisee, concerning zeal, persecuting the church, concerning the righteousness which is in the law, blameless. But what things were gained to me, these I've counted loss for Christ. Yet indeed, I also count all things loss for the excellency of of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord. When we talk about pressing on and moving forward, a lot of times it's what we've lost in the past that keeps us from pressing on into the future. And Paul, as he writes these things, he was a Jew that lived under the law and his identity, his family, his whole entire life was caught up in these things. And he says, I've lost all of these things, so that I could gain Christ. And I want to encourage you right now, in the midst of this moment, to see your losses differently. Because we all have losses. And for some of you, it may be a child, maybe a spouse, it may be your health, it may be a job, it may be a relationship with a parent. There's a tremendous sense of, of loss in your life and do we see that as an opportunity to gain the knowledge of Christ? In the midst of that loss, to say, really, God is teaching me what I can gain. That in that loss is the opportunity for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ. And when Paul talked about the knowledge of Christ, it's not just, and you know this, the academic knowledge of Christ. But it's the personal working relationship with Jesus Christ, to know him. And to know him in a greater way. And remember, this is the way Paul thought. This is what he put his whole life into and says, life is about this. It is about knowing Christ. 
That's what my resolution is. That's what my resolve is. So I lost these things, but I gained Christ. And he goes on to say, for whom I've suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish. Literally, in the Greek, dung. He's saying, these things that were once valuable to me, I now see them as rubbish. Something you would throw into the dump because it can't even compare to what he's gained, that I may gain Christ. I think that we can testify to this. We can bear witness to this. It's in times and seasons of loss that we've gained the knowledge of Christ. Amen? We go, man, I thought that was so valuable and that was so wonderful and God took that away from me, but what I have gained is a deeper relationship with Christ. And be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ. The righteousness, which is from God by faith. He's no longer trusting in himself. That I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of suffering being conformed to his death. Quite a prayer. If by any means I may obtain to the resurrection from the dead. We get to our focus text tonight of looking forward, pressing into a new year. Not that I've already attained or am already perfected. You're going to have no motivation to press into Christ into 2017 if you feel like you've already arrived. If you feel like, man, I've already arrived in my relationship with the Lord. I know what there is to know about Christ. If we don't have the expectation that he could completely blow our minds about the depth of who he is, the depth of what he desires to do, if we're in a mentality of status quo is fine with us, then that's where we'll remain, and most likely we'll probably drift. We'll probably drift from the Lord in this upcoming year. As we look at Paul's life, we would easily say, Paul, you've attained. Like, how many churches do you have to start to attain? Like, how much godly character do you have to have to attain? When Paul's looking at his own life, and he's saying, there's so much more room for growth. I, I have so much more to, to learn about Christ. That can be discouraging, but it also can be very motivating to go, okay, Lord, I realize that you want to show more of yourself to me. You want to grow me in greater ways. I, I haven't already attained. I haven't learned all that there is to know. Holy Spirit, right now, would you just wake us up to the reality of how much you want to grow us this year, of how much you want to use us, of how much you want to reveal yourself to us. Paul says, I haven't attained. It's a great way to think about our relationship with the Lord and then to think about all the different areas of life. Man, work's going to get boring if you feel like you've attained. You're like, you know, I've kind of gone as far as I can go and I can't make any more money in this job and I've done this for this many years. Or you can press in and go, God, what is it that you want to show me that I've never thought of before? I, I haven't already attained, but I press on. I press on. Do you think it would have been very easy for Paul to sink into the pit of despair in the midst of this prison? I think Paul is writing this and speaking this because he's having to choose to press on. There's a part of his flesh that wants to just give up to complacency and give up to discouragement. And if we're honest, that's the battle for all of us, isn't it? Our flesh, the enemy, Satan, he would love for us to simply give up. 
and to not press on into a deeper relationship with Christ and to the things that God would have for our lives. Can't you just see Satan going, man, I'm going to get Paul so discouraged. He's never going to plant another church. He's never going to tell another person about Jesus. He's just going to reside himself to a complacent life. He's going to take the easy seat instead of pressing on. And some of you may be in that place tonight where you're extremely discouraged. And if I could speak to your heart is don't give yourself the opportunity to stay in that place because you'll always have material. I'll always have material. We'll always have the opportunity to find a reason to stay in that pit of discouragement. And I know it's difficult, but choose to press on. Choose to press in. I think of the life of Joseph. He had a lot to be discouraged about. You may be familiar with his story. His brothers sell him as a slave after they choose to not murder him. Yeah, okay, we won't murder him, but let's sell him as a slave. Arrives in Egypt as a slave. That would be a good time to give up. That would be a good time to let discouragement have its way. But what we know of Joseph is he pressed in. He served the Lord. Whatever his hands found to do, he did it under the Lord, and God was with him, and before you know it, he's second, or he's in command in Potiphar's house. He puts him in charge of everything in his home. Gets falsely accused of raping Potiphar's wife, ends up in prison. A very, very, very good time to give in your resignation. All right, I've already been sold as a slave. I pressed in. It didn't work out very well. Forget this. I'm going to wallow in this prison. But he serves faithfully. He's then put in charge of the prison as a prisoner. You know then where it goes. He ends up being second in command to Pharaoh. Why? He didn't give up. He didn't give up. It's way too early to give up. Church, it is way too early to give up. Maybe there's hurt in your life. Things haven't turned out the way that you thought you would. You didn't ever thought you'd be in the prison that you're in. And God's speaking to you tonight, and you're like, I came to hear a message on prophecy, not get challenged. God wants us to press on. He wants us to get up. It goes on and says, that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has laid hold of me. Isn't that powerful? It says, I want to lay hold of the reason that God has laid hold of me. The ESV version translates it this way, because Christ has made me his own. Don't you like that? Christ has made me his own, so I want to press into him and for the purpose in which he saved me. I hope you know this about your life, but it's incredible that you even exist. You're a miracle of God that you came together in your mother's womb. You've been given life. You've got breath in your lungs. Your heart is beating. Your life is valuable to the Lord. Created in God's image, God gave the blood of his son for you specifically. And he saved you for a reason. He saved you for a purpose. So what are some of the purposes from which God saved us? First and foremost, for relationship. I can't even begin to put into words the priority of that in God's heart and mind. God didn't save us because he needed workers. It's like, hmm, I really need to get more done on the earth, so I'm going to save those knuckleheads, right? He wanted to be in relationship with us. 
So for us, as we press forward, what are we pressing into? Isn't that a good question? We're pressing into deeper relationship with Christ. That's why he saved us, to know him, to walk with him, to be in fellowship with God, to be the friend of God. We also do know that God desires to use us. In Ephesians chapter 2, it tells us that we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. That word workmanship, it's poema in the Greek. We get our English word poem. You're God's poem. You're God's story. He's got good works for us to walk into in 2017. Ways that he wants to use our lives. And when I'm overcome with discouragement, when I'm focused in my heart and mind on myself instead of upon Christ and upon others, I miss those opportunities, don't I? I'm busy walking, looking at my own shoes instead of looking at the cares of others. In verse 13, brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do. Wouldn't it be nice to boil down life to one thing? Paul does. It gets my attention. He says, this is the one thing that I do. This phrase, one thing, is used two other times in Scripture. David used it in Psalms 27. He says, one thing I've desired of the Lord, that I will seek that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and inquire in his temple. David's saying, if I do one thing in my life, it's to fellowship with God and behold his beauty and glory. I'm going to put worship as the greatest priority of my life. Jesus said this in Luke chapter 10, verse 42, but one thing is needed, and Mary has chosen the good part, which will not be taken away from her. Mary and Martha. Mary chose to sit at the feet of Jesus. Jesus is saying this is the one thing that's needed. And then Paul, he says, this is the one thing that I do. Forgetting those things which are behind, reaching forward to those things which are ahead. This is really the crux of what I believe the Lord has for us tonight. As we go into a new year and we go into a new day with God's mercies and compassion being new is that we can forget the past. Forget it. To be able to press on into the future. I feel that there's some, if not many, that you're stuck in the past. You're unable to go into the future the way that God would intend because you're choosing to not forget the past. Learn from the past, appreciate the past, but forget the past because God is not a God of the past. He's a God of the present. He's not musing over New Year's Eve of years past. He's right here, right now, saying, come on, let's go, let's, let's move forward. What keeps us living in the past? I think there's several things. Well, the biggest is regret and shame. The weight of our sin. If you think back of 2016, maybe what comes to your mind is all of your mistakes. All of the things you wish you wouldn't have said, that you wish you wouldn't have done. And even as a believer, that's the cloud that covers your life. And that story goes back over your whole entire life of guilt and shame and guilt and shame. Do you think the Apostle Paul had a lot of material to dwell on in the past? Who was he before he got saved? He was Saul, who persecuted Christians. Do you think those images of the people that he arrested, 
that he had stoned to death left his mind? Scripture tells us he was holding the coats of the men who stoned Stephen, the first martyr, showing his approval of the stoning of Stephen. That doesn't leave you. That's an image that you can play for the rest of your life if you're willing to. That's something that you could focus on. I think Paul had to choose to not focus on that. Say, I'm not going to allow that to play over and over in my mind. I'm I'm going to forget that. And I'm going to press forward. Now, how can we forget the past, forget our sins specifically? There's only one way. And that's because Jesus has paid for it. Amen? Amen. It's paid for. It's paid for. And God tells us that he doesn't treat us according to our sin. That he's removed our sin from us as far as the east is from the west. That he chooses to remember it no more. When we confess our sin, that he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We're cleansed. We're, We're forgiven. So we don't have to dwell on it anymore. We don't have to focus on it anymore. We can, we can forget it and choose to be able to move forward in the future. Another thing that gets us living in the past is, oh, those were the good old days. Sometimes it's not the regret and the sin. Sometimes it's like, oh, man, you know, 1996, that was so great. What a wonderful, wonderful year. For some of you, you maybe look back at relationships and friendships and you go, oh, that was such a sweet season. If I could just be back with that group of friends. Maybe you've moved, they've moved, relationships have changed, but your heart and mind, you're not in December 31st, 2016. You're back there in that other place relationally. For some of you, it's some dude that you dated a long, long time ago. And it's over, but you're not over it. Some gal that you dated some, some long, long time ago, but you're still focused upon it. Hey, it didn't work out. Get over it. It's time to move on, right? We don't remember the past accurately. How do we know this biblically? How do we know that this is true? The children of Israel got freed from Egypt, and it was brutal. They were slaves. But when they get into the wilderness, they want to go back to Egypt. And they go to Moses, and they go, oh, the leeks and the onions. Back in Egypt, they were so good. I mean, they were so powerful, I could just smell the onion on my wife's breath, right? (laughs) On my husband's breath. I mean, who craves leeks and onions, really? I, mean, I like onions. They're good. Saute them up, and they, they do a lot for tacos and a lot of different things. But they didn't have all of this great food as slaves, but they were remembering it inaccurately. And a lot of times as we look back on the good old days, they weren't as good as we remember. We're remembering the good things, but we're not remembering the bad things. And if we're stuck looking back at the good old days, it paralyzes us from investing today, doesn't it? We miss relationships that are right in front of us. We miss opportunities in ways that God would want to use us because we're either in that place of regret 
or we're in that place of good old days, and it's a choice of thinking to say, I'm going to forget those things which are behind, and then I'm reaching forward to those things which are ahead. The ESV puts it this way with reaching forward. It says, straining forward to what lies ahead. We finish this verse, and it goes on to say, and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. I really like the way that that's translated of straining forward to what lies ahead. Because isn't that reality? I mean, when we talk about pressing on and moving forward, we can really make that romantic and get all motivated. But what does that look like? It looks like Monday morning being stinking hard. That's what it looks like. Reality check. Just because the calendar changed doesn't mean the challenges are going to go away. We all go, oh, I hope 2017 is going to be better. It's going to be harder, right? That's the reality of it. It's going to be harder. That's just the truth of of what our experience is. So if we're going to press forward and move forward, we have to strain forward. We have to press in and press on when it's hard and it's difficult, and we'd rather not. We'd rather move back. We'd rather shrink into our cave of of isolation. We see this a lot in the physical world. Uh, If you're working out and and exercising, do you feel like working out? Do you feel like exercising? No, you feel like you're going to die. It's like, why in the world would I ever do this? You know, this this is not productive. A bag of chips would be much more productive than this, right? But we know that it's good for us, and so we choose to strain forward. And you do that over a long period of time and you start to feel the benefits. And you go, okay, this is worth it. It's obedience, long obedience in the right direction. It's not easy, it's difficult, but I'm going to strain forward. I'm going to kind of press into the Lord. Okay, I'm going to get into the word today. I'm going to be in prayer today. I'm going to look for those opportunities to, to serve the Lord today. In verse 14, it says, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call in Christ Jesus. That's what's on his mind. That's what he's looking forward to, is the goal for the prize of the upward call, to know Christ more. At the end of 2017, to say, I know Christ a little more. I know his faithfulness a little more. I know his grace a a little more. I've pressed in to the prize of, of knowing him and walking with him. Is this important to the Lord? Or did Eric just get a wild hair? Well, let's find out. Verse 15. Therefore, let us, as many are as mature, have this mind. So God says what it looks like to be a Christian that's mature is to have this mindset that's forgetting the past and is pressing into the future. And if if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal even this to you. So it's so important to the Lord that we think this way, that if we're not thinking this way, he'll show us. He'll teach us. The Holy Spirit's already been coming to you prior to this service, saying, come on, it's time. You need to let it go. You need to forget it. You need to move on. I know the pain's real, the hurt's real, the difficulty's real, but Christ is on the throne. It's, it, it's time to heal. It's time to move on. It's time, time to keep going. Don't get discouraged. Keep, strength, keep straining forward. And now the Holy Spirit is confirming that in your heart and mind. Saying, okay, it's time to change the way you think. And then think biblically. 
I want to look at one more thing and then wrap this up. Go down with me to verse 20 at the end of the chapter. When we think about looking forward, in verse 20 it says, For our citizenship is in heaven, from which we also eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Isn't that encouraging? So as we talk about pressing forward, straining forward, knowing Christ more, being used by the Lord, at some point of walking with the Lord, God is going to take you home. And wouldn't it be wonderful to go home with the Lord in greater fellowship? Say he gives you 70, 80 years that each year is marked by greater fellowship with the Lord. Maybe he's going to take you home to be with the Lord this year in 2017. We don't know. And you're in fellowship with the Lord. And you step into the reality of these verses. Verse 21, who will transform our lowly body that it may be conformed to his glorious body according to the working by which he's able even to subdue all things to himself. Time's really flying. It's really going quickly. And in the midst of daily difficulty, it seems like forever, right? And then you stop and you go, 2017, really? It's really 2017? You know, for a a lot of us, as I look out at you every week, and you look out up at me every week, you're not getting any younger. (laughs) And I'm not getting any younger, right? The years are starting to pass by. And each year is closer to being home with the Lord. Psalms 90 says, teach us to number our days and There in Psalms 90, it tells us that a a thousand years to us is just like a day to the Lord. So we're not going to be pressing on forever. We're not going to be enduring forever. This life is extremely temporary. So with the life that God has given us, I think it's very, very important to not live in the prison of discouragement. To not allow your circumstances to confine you. Paul has everything to be discouraged about. But he says, no, I'm choosing. I'm choosing to press on and press in, even if I still remain in this prison. I think there's much more at stake than we realize. I do think it's a spiritual battle. The enemy would love for us to to go through 2017 in discouragement and despair. And I hope you're not hearing the wrong thing from me. I'm not saying that it's going to be easy. I am saying that it's going to be difficult. I think you've heard that. But I'm saying in the midst of the difficulty is the opportunity to know Christ. Has the opportunity to be still and go, God, I've been losing so much. Help me to gain the knowledge of you. God, I I really do feel like I'm stuck in the past and I I really haven't been pressing in to the future. And this is what I would ask as we close tonight and as Billy comes and leads us in worship and in the worship team is let the Holy Spirit speak to you.
Let the Holy Spirit speak to you. Maybe you didn't expect for God to speak to you tonight. And whatever he's revealing to you, respond to that. Because I know that New Year's resolutions don't last in my life. But when God speaks to me, it does. When he reveals himself, it does. So as we have spent time in the word, and the Holy Spirit's here with us, be still before the Lord and ask him to speak to you and then respond to that. So let's pray together. Jesus, I know that discouragement is very real. A lot of times the discouragement comes from our own choices and how we've responded and sinned. And right now, would you reveal to us afresh the power of the cross, of your death and resurrection, that we could lay hold of your forgiveness. And God, I know that due to circumstances and loss of job and loss of loved ones and health and loss of friendships, and that it can easily lead to a place where internally we just give up. We stop trying, we stop loving, we stop moving forward in our relationship with you and our relationship with others. And God, I pray that you would provide hope, that you would provide encouragement, but that also you would move in our hearts a, a resolve to strain forward, to push forward, to believe in faith what, what you would have for us. And Jesus, really, deep down, it's, it's not money that we desire or houses or comfort that we desire. But Jesus, we want to know you. We want to know you more. In this upcoming year, we would be so blessed if you would reveal more of yourself to us and that we could be used by you in however you would desire in whatever way would please you.